And so it's uh, a great pleasure to be here with some Kalyana Mitta from across the decades, some people I recognise, um, and people who continue to uh, participate in the Armadale Meditation Group, which is um, my home base. As I mentioned, I'd like to just spend a few minutes, five or ten minutes before we do the meditation, because I'd like to put the meditation in the bigger context of um, what tonight's talk is about. And uh, as Bill mentioned, it's what do we do with the three unwholesome roots of suffering, greed, hatred and delusion. The theme for the overall RAINS retreat program um, here at Dharmaloka is turning points. And I thought that the way that turning points can meet um, how we might work with the three unwholesome roots of suffering, greed, hatred and delusion, is at the very micro level. at the turning points, at the inflection points that exist as we observe the mind and become aware of what the mind, the, the habits and the patterns and the tracks that the mind is used to taking and develop greater capacity to, when appropriate, when skillful, make little micro-turns in the mind. So in terms of setting up the meditation, for now, um, the starting point is how well do you know your mind? How, do well, how well do you know this mind or your mind? Um, in tonight's practice, I'm going to invite us to observe the mind, uh, to investigate the mind, to get to know the mind even better than we might already. To become an expert in this mind's habits, patterns, reactions, urges, impulses, energies. And as we observe the mind and um, its habits and patterns, we then, we, through that, increase our capacity to when appropriate, move out of the grip of those habits and patterns, especially the three um, that we'll be looking at, greed, hatred and delusion tonight. We get to see them for what they are. And in that seeing, we become aware of more options, of alternative pathways. In observing the contents of the mind, one of the tasks is to see what the underlying mental current is. And that includes, um, you know, is there greed, aversion, delusion present, and to what extent? Or maybe there's an absence, maybe there's an absence of wanting, an absence of aversion, an absence of ignorance. Maybe the mind is seeing really clearly, quite content with the present experience. That's to be known too. 
and awareness of the mind is a meditation approach within the Satipatthana Sutta. Many of you will know about um, the Buddhist, Buddha's teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness. Bringing awareness to the mind and the contents of the mind is, is the third of the four in the Satipatthana Sutta. We're invited to bring awareness to the mind and the content of the mind. And I'll just read a little bit from that sutta. The Buddha said, and so as, as you hear this, you might already be, be thinking of it as a practice, part of the practice that we'll be doing in a minute or two. One knows a mind with lust to be, quote, a mind with lust. Or one knows a mind without lust to be, quote, a mind without lust. Or one knows a mind with anger to be, quote, a mind with anger. Or one knows a mind without anger to be, quote, a mind without anger. Or one knows a mind with delusion to be, quote, a mind with delusion. Or one knows a mind without delusion to be, quote, a mind without delusion. And it kept on going. And for some of you, that might, um, you might relate to that in, in a way that is very common in um, sort of pop psychology of name it to tame it. Know what's going on in your mind. Be able to identify it. And that idea of name it to tame it also gives us a sense of, ah, in the naming, that gives us some capacity to make those micro-turns micro-inflections of the mind that I was mentioning. Bhikkhu Analio, in relation to this third part of the Satipatthana Sutta, mindfulness of the mind, says the main thrust of this contemplation can be summarised as a continuous inward monitoring with the question, how is the mind? So that might be all that you choose to bring into the meditation the monitoring of that inner space with that question, how is the mind? And Bhikkhu Bodhi wrote about this part of the um, practice. For practical purposes, it's sufficient at the outset to focus on observing whether the mind is associated with any of these three unwholesome roots or is free from them. When a particular state of mind is present, it's merely noted as a state of mind not identified as I or mine, whether it's a pure state or a defiled state, a lofty state or a low state. There should be no elation or dejection, only a clear identification of the state without clinging to the desired ones or resenting the undesired ones. To ensure that the hindrances are kept under control, we're instructed not merely to note them, but to discern how they arise how they can be removed, and how they can be prevented from arising in the future. So there are some thoughts to take with us into tonight's practice. And if you feel like moving before we move into the 30 minutes of um, formal sitting, feel free to, because sometimes if you've been sitting for a while, that can be a nice thing to do. A little kindness to the body.
And I mentioned just bringing a little kindness to the body. And the body, of course, is the first foundation of mindfulness. So as we start allowing, we might start in the body before we move to the mind. So just allowing the attention to come into the body to know the posture of the body. Maybe having a sense of the, the different angles of the joints. Just feeling into how the arms are resting, the hands are resting. how the legs are arranged. Feeling the places where the body is touching the floor or the chair or the cushion. Maybe having a sense of, through this connection, being connected with the earth. And as we tune into the body with curiosity, how's the body tonight? with care, with acceptance. Mm. This is how it is. Those attitudinal components of mindfulness are just as important as the attentional components. How are we relating to what it is that we're witnessing? As you tuned into the body, Maybe you became aware of some of the traces of today that are still present in the body. If there's been a lot asked of you, mentally, physically, emotionally, maybe some of that is still present. And knowing that, any tightness or tension Sometimes noticing that is enough to quite automatically soften
aware of the whole body. Resting. Breathing. You might be very content to stay with the body. Please feel free to choose the meditation approach that works for you tonight. But if you'd like to explore this third foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the mind, bringing attention to what's present in the mind. With the same care, curiosity, acceptance, we bring to the body. What's the underlying tone of the mind? Any wanting something different? Desire for a different body? a different present moment. If there is, that's terrific because it gives us an opportunity to investigate, to know the mind state of wanting something different a little more intentionally. Does the mind that wants something different feel? Or if it's a mind completely content, how does a mind completely content with this experience feel? Know that too. 
whatever mind state that's present. What are the, the thoughts, impulses, reactions, beliefs connected to it? rather than making an enemy of any mind state, what would, be, what would it be like to get to know it better? And when you notice any thoughts or beliefs, reactions, notice if there's any identification with those. Are they experienced as my thoughts, my beliefs? Or are they understood to be a thought or a feeling that has arisen due to certain causes and conditions? And when those conditions change, so too will the mind state.
mindfulness to the mind and the contents of the mind can sometimes feel a little bit like sitting in a cinema sitting back that's the awareness that's present watching aware and on the screen is whatever a drama playing out a shoot 'em up and sometimes there's a break in transmission and the screen might not have much going on observing also that stillness and silence in between the different reels that can play time to time we find we've got caught up in the drama we're no longer in the seat observing but we're the star of the show and that waking up out of the trance of that process that thought process is one of those micro moments of transition it's a turning point we can re-establish awareness or stay caught up in the, the drama using that as an opportunity to strengthen awareness
and stay in this witnessing role. aware of the changing content of the mind. Thoughts, feelings, arising, passing. Just noticing if there's any underlying sense of wanting some things to stay, holding on, pushing other things away, 
version. Or just getting lost in the distractions. All of it very normal aspects of having a mind.
And as we get towards the end of tonight's meditation, once again checking on the mind, the content of the mind. Maybe there's contentment. If so, what were the conditions that enabled that? What are the consequences of that? Or maybe the mind wants something different to what it has. Again, what might be the conditions that have brought about that state of mind? And what are the consequences that can flow from that? Increasing our our understanding of the processes, the causes, the conditions, and how we relate to it. One of the um, little scenarios that played out on my cinema screen during the meditation was linking what I had thought to talk about tonight, these micro turning points that we can observe in the mind when we habitually get stuck in patterns that cause us suffering and how through investigation and seeing that we can make some choices with what Gita's here doing. Um, it seems that we're at a real turning point in terms of um, the relationship with Australia's Indigenous people. Um, and we certainly know the suffering that is part of that history. Where is, where is wisdom and kindness inviting us? But I digress. We're going back to the micro.
this um, getting to know the mind and the contents of the mind and the changing mind states opens up um, more potential turning points for us. With this process of getting to know this crazy human mind um, with kindfulness, thanks Arjun Brahm for that word, um, gives us more options rather than just running along the same habitual ruts. Um, options open, turning points, choices. And I'm guessing that all of us have noticed that the mind at times is not always characterised by stability, peace, loving kindness, clarity. And even now, for some of us, there might be traces of um, greed, hatred or delusion. Check it out. What's in this mind? Maybe there's wishing, wishing, why can't we still be meditating? I was having such a good time. Or wanting to hang out in that experience. Maybe a slight undertone of greed there. And of course, um, wanting to continue something that is pleasant and good makes sense. Um, but it's also useful to investigate the implications of that desire to hang on to something. Or it could be that you might be finding the topic of tonight's talk, you know, greed, hatred and delusion, all a bit... Let's, let's move on to something a bit more uplifting. There might be a bit of aversion to that. Um, and again, it makes sense to avoid things that we don't like. And it's also really useful to investigate the implications of that resistance and that pushing away uh, so that we get more choices. Or maybe you've already drifted off and are planning your next holiday to Denmark and there's more of a, an undertone of delusion here. Just, a, just an encouragement to keep that um, awareness of the mind and the contents of the mind, something that we can be checking in on. And greed, hatred and delusion are sometimes called the three poisons. I've been talking about them as the three unwholesome roots of suffering, but they're often talked about as the three poisons. Um, poisons for me feels a little bit uh, not something I want to get to know, um, something that can be a bit scary and I want to push away and lock up out of reach, not to be opened. 
the, the problem with that uh, reaction is that denial and suppression are never um, long-term ways of transforming any difficult emotion. Might give us a little momentary uh, moment of relief, but it's not a long-term uh, solution. So there's that encouragement to turn towards these very normal mind states with interest and curiosity rather than to add another layer of reactivity when it's an already contracted mind state. Because we can, we, we tend to identify with our mind states, the term poison can also lead to a lot of judgment, self-judgment and um, the inner critic can go crazy around that as well, um, you know, with moralising. There might be some greed or aversion or delusion present. Uh, Catherine, you're a bad woman. Um, it doesn't take too much to move from that to the identification. I was talking with a friend about um, tonight's talk and mentioned the, th the term the three poisons and how I was a bit ambivalent about it. And he said, oh no, it's really good. Um, he said, it's really strong. For me, as soon as I hear that word, I know I want to spit it out. So there's, a, you know, like I had poison in my mouth, I'd want to get rid of it. Um, so for some of you, that uh, strong uh, term can be really useful. And for others, you know, other terms might be use more useful in relating to these things that come into the mind um, and can lead to suffering and lead to suffering. I guess at one level the, the language isn't as important as um, becoming aware of the experience of these mind states. How is it when they're present? What does the experience of greed feel like? What does the experience of hatred feel like? What's the experience of delusion feel like? What comes next? What do those mind states generate? Words, behaviours, actions? To help um, sort of turn towards these mind states and want to get to know them and want to understand them and um, investigate them, I find it useful to put them in a, a sort of a psychobiological context of this being a, being a, being a mammal, if you like. Um, we know that this human mind, like all mammals, has, well, not just the mind, mind-body, has a, a reward system where we go after what we want, um, where we use our energy to make sure that we get the resources that we need to survive. It's a very um, important part of 
our survival, having that reward system um, or the drive system. It's also called the, the drive system. So the reward system, the drive system keeps us uh, ensuring that we get the resources that we need. What happens with greed is that it's an overblown or exaggerated um, excessive activation of that reward system, that drive system. One definition of greed is that it's an inordinate desire to acquire or possess more than one needs, whether that's wanting more food, more power, more sex, more money, more status. Um, quite a different thing to ensuring that our basic needs are met. When I think about those times when um, I've, I've experienced strong greed, it's, it's almost as if I've been possessed by it. Um, there's a lack of perspective, feel of tightness in the body, a real narrowing of my focus, just going after what it is that uh, I think is important. At its most intense, I can feel quite imprisoned by that energy. And maybe just pause for a moment and think about, oh, when you might have felt that mind state present and how it was in your body and how it was in your mind and what consequences came. There's, there's a number of areas of my life where I find this pop up, one of them is food. But another area, and it's, I've been working on this one, but historically um, I've found this energy arise when I've been working with others on a shared project or a shared um, activity. And I found myself caught up in wanting to get my own ideas as the ones that dominate the group, feeling that energy. Um, and reflecting on the suffering that that brings is so useful because I see the way that um, it gets in the way of relationships, that it stops me being able to take into consideration other people's needs and also you know if we're doing if we're working on a shared project it also means that I don't get the information that would be really useful for that project if I'm so focused on what I think is the right answer so I find that that reflecting on the the downside of it um, could be very useful to help interrupt um, the energy what, what is the suffering that comes out of this When we look at the world through the lens of greed, um, we tend to idealise whatever the object is that we're looking at, um, believing it will make us happy. 
whether it is that good-looking girl or boy, if I'm with them for the rest of my life, I know I'll be happy forever and always. Or if I get lots more money, that'll make me, that'll bring happiness. Or if I get that job, that, that promotion, high status job, then I'll feel successful and that'll be just what I need. And yet we all know that there's no person, thing, uh, relationship that is only pleasant, is only positive. Looking through the lens of greed, um, we're deluded, we don't see clearly. Or is it delusion that means that we are causing the greed, chicken and egg a bit around there? And it's similar with um, aversion. Whereas greed is an excessive activation of our reward system or our drive system, hatred is an exaggeration of a very normal part of our um, biology. The, the threat system, um, fight, flight, freeze, when, when we have a threat we need to meet, this body has an amazing response. But as an ex exaggerated or an inordinate response, that threat system can go into hatred. And that's when it becomes a root of suffering. Because it's a very normal part of being a, a mammal. We need to look out for problems around us and take action. Um, but when that turns into hatred, um, we'll see the suffering that follows. Certainly when um, greed and hatred are ruling the roost, it can be hard to see the inflection points that I've been talking about from the beginning, that there is a turning point available. And, and that's one of the reasons why it's so important to um, bring mindfulness to the content of our mind. And when I'm using mind here, of course, mind's quite a big um, concept. Mind, feelings, um, urges, impulses, reactions, that inner world that we have. So important to, to get to know it. Investigate these very normal um, parts of being a human being rather than vilify them understand them, sort of befriend them even. Some of the things that we can um, ask ourselves when we're investigating uh, these mental states, uh, well, what came first? What, what, what happened? What were the causes and conditions that led to greed and anger? and or anger arising, arising. Maybe it was an unmet need, maybe it was um, some other 
immediate causal condition, or maybe it was something way back, way back in my past. How does, how does it show up in my body when they're present? Um, certainly feeling that contraction that arises with both greed and with hatred is a really useful um, sign. Ah, you know, I've lost my way. I've lost my mindfulness. I'm blinkered. I'm just looking after this little self rather than being able to take in a bigger perspective um, and act from a place of uh, clear seeing and kindness. It's also interesting to see what beliefs, greed and anger, greed and hatred want us to, what they want us to believe. Um, and ask, you know, is that really true? Is, is that third piece of chocolate cake really going to bring me happiness? Um, is a scowling face to somebody doing something that I don't approve of really what's needed? Um, what is it that I'm missing? One of, the, uh, one of the ways I, I think sometimes of turning towards um, a difficult experience with kindfulness, some part, that, some experience that I'm having that I don't want, um, is to think of that experience in the same way as I would hold a teething baby. The teething baby is experiencing pain. Maybe I'm experiencing pain at the moment. Maybe there's a bodily pain that, oh, I really don't want. There's aversion arising. But can I be with this, knowing that this discomfort is as natural and inevitable as a baby's teething pain? And what's needed there? The main thing that's needed there is to be able to hold the baby and to care. And ideally, through that process, the baby develops the capacity to be with difficulty and to grow from it. Um, so that in the turning towards, in the opening to difficulties, we actually gain capacity. We gain capacity to be with more and more experiences, even if they are difficult. Um, the turning away from our experience is what keeps us quite limited in, in what we can meet. So the invitation to turn towards these difficulties with kindfulness, to get to know them, to um, investigate them, to understand them, needs to needs to be accompanied by wisdom, um, of course, because at times we won't have the inner resources to meet the difficult um, situation that we might be experiencing. 
So we need to know when we're up for this process of turning towards and exploring and investigating because it can be quite um, a challenge at times. Having an inner um, reflection of, you know, this difficulty that's come up. Well, you know, I'm a human being, and part of the experience of being human is that I'll experience suffering. I'll experience suffering when greed, hatred, and delusion arise. And greed, hatred and delusion will arise when the particular conditions that bring them about are present. And that's hard. So bringing a bit of self-compassion to ourselves in that exploration and that engagement uh, is, is really useful. A bit of understanding that, you know, it's hard being a human. Um, and maybe that understanding as we bring it to ourselves is also obviously very useful to bring it to others who might be also uh, under the power of greed, hatred or delusion um, to see that for what it's worth. To see that as a Well, not to identify the person with the, the, the behaviour in the same way that we're learning not to identify um, our, a, a me with this experience, but just to see it as a process coming and going, arising when the conditions are met. It's also a useful a gift to somebody else to see when greed, hatred and delusion are present in another, that that too um, is the arising due to certain causes and conditions. I don't know if I'm in um, sympathy with somebody else who's got cramp out there. <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the lovely things about, um, well, one of many lovely things about the Buddhist teaching that it he teaches us to be mindful internally and mindful externally. So the same um, learning for ourselves, we can also offer each other. Um, very useful. I think I might stop there and see if there are any comments or questions. Um, and of course, it'd be lovely to hear people's own experience uh, as well as I don't know if that's going to work now, Bill. What do you reckon? We might have turned it off. While, while that's happening, um, I thought I'd just mention the three antidotes to greed, hatred and delusion, which are generosity, for greed, loving kindness for hatred, and wisdom for delusion. 
And of course, all of those need to be built. Um, I, I can remember uh, talking with a, a Dharma buddy who was saying that, you know, it's very easy just to say, oh, don't feel hatred and aversion, feel loving kindness. Well, if you're in the midst of that uh, attack of um, the hindrance, it's not always immediately available. It needs to be built up over time. So each of these antidotes need to be built up over time to become more and more available. Um, it's like saying to a person who's gone out into a blizzard without a coat, oh, but you needed to take a coat. Yeah, we need to do the, the preparation well before um, so that the coat is available to us when we need it. So I think Bill's got a mic that's working. If anybody has some, some comments or... Any questions? Questions. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine, is it? Yes. Thanks for the really, really wonderful talk and the relevant topic to greed, hatred, and delusion, the three poisons. Oh, yeah. When the Buddha was telling us, you know, about the, 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 the three poisons, the greed, hatred, you know, he was, um, he really meant it, the things in, and you've covered most of it, okay? Yeah. So this, this, these poisons, okay, they come from our mind, you know, all right? Sorry, can you hear? Oh, from our mind, is, uh, uh, okay, okay? And, and the, the well-being of the human being, you know, okay, lies in our, lies in our feeling, you know, in honor. So if we have all these negative things, this thing, then you, 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 too much of the poison, you feel sick, you know. And then the, the thing is, he's asking us to let go, you know, let go, let go. And also, if um, this is one of the tools, if you look at the other tools, like seven factors of enlightenment, start with mindfulness, and the, the, the highest one is equanimity, you know. You know, because, you know we, because our mind, we are full of all this rubbish thing, you know. Once you equanimate this thing, then we are well, I think. What yeah, you, yeah. And you cover all that, you know. No, I think it's a really good point. I, f I mean, I feel this topic is huge. We, yeah, could, topic, yeah. we could meet every Friday night yes. for the rest of our lives and still be um, exploring it. Um, and I talked about one, one way that we can um, strengthen our understanding and have more turning points of the mind by, by the investigation process, by the coming and observing the mind. But there are other things that we can do. Like I mentioned, the, the development of the antidotes. Mm -hmm. That obviously needs to cut, sit alongside. Mm. Um, and you mentioned letting go as a practice. Mm. And letting go as a practice is absolutely um, part of uh, the suite of responses that I think we need when we're dealing with such strong forces as greed, mm -hmm. hatred and delusion. Yeah. So, so there are many, many strategies and ways and just how we relate to them. Do we add another layer of aversion on top of a mind state that is already difficult? Or can we relate to it with kindfulness? Um, mm. So there are many, many um, responses that I think are needed 
to um, work effectively and transform these these unskillful mind states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But so I appreciate some of the things that you added to what I said. Thank mm. you. Also, the thing is, sorry, can I say, say mm. you know, you, when you mentioned about greed, you know, greed, hatred, addiction, I was thinking we know hatred, you know, aversion that involves jealousy, envy, and all these things, too, isn't it? okay? Greed, you know. And then Buddha, they said, opposite of greed will be contentment, isn't it? okay? And contentment generosity. is the greatest happiness, you know. So in, if we have greed, okay, Catherine, we are not satisfied, you know. We are chasing, you know. Because like having greed, we are not in the happy state, isn't it? Yeah, and you're, you're pointing out ah. there the suffering. Yeah, suffering state is thing that thing. So it's negative. Yeah. It's a negative, negative yeah. energy too. I think. Even though uh. all of those states can also have a little positive feel to them as well, mm. and that's part of the delusion of them. Mm. Um, it can also feel, for a moment, really delightful to be caught in greed. Mm. It can also, at times, feel delightful to be caught in anger. When we're in that self-righteous anger, it can also have a positive feeling and delusion when we're just ah. so there is suffering but at a surface level mm. there's also it can also have a, a positive feel to it you know a little pleasant vedana um, that keeps us in that mm. uh, greed or in that hatred or in that delusion mm. um, but that comes back to how how we feel inside mm. isn't it our well-being is how we feel inside isn't it you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Peter. Um, I find that uh, anger, aversion, that group to be the most difficult to deal with. Mm. I'm okay with greed. I mean, <laughs> on a superficial level, I know it's a problem. But anger really kind of, mm. you can feel that, mm, how it corrodes you yeah. internally. But really, it's taken me a long time um, not to indulge in it, because I think, right, I'm right, mm. and they should never have said this to me, and rah, 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 and, and I tell you, you can have sleepless nights practicing all the things you're going to say mm -hmm. to this person. And it takes a long time to say, hey, I think you're going to have to let go of this. <laughs> and it's only now um, the penny drops more often. You know, it just, mm. so it's almost like even so the society justifies anger oh, as, absolutely. you know, getting there and, yeah. you know. Um, and greed. Both of them. Yes, yes. We encourage a lot. <laughs> we encourage very strongly along both those paths. Yeah. 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 And yeah, so it was it's kind of good to be reminded because there's something that was churning up. And just at the moment you said these conditions are affecting others as well, I thought, oh, that person is probably also <laughs> affected by yeah. certain conditions. Mm. You know? And then okay. There's a little bit of compassion comes in. So anyway, thank you for yeah. dropping a, helping to drop a few pennies. Mm, thanks, Gita. Yeah, the um, the the disconnection um, that arises both from greed when I'm caught in my own little 
pursuing my own little reward and from aversion and hatred, that disconnection is the one that, for me, is one of the biggest wake-up calls. Is this how I want to get on experience life? Just caught up in my own little world, not able to um, feel the humanity of the people that I'm sharing this planet with. Um, yeah, but that you mentioned also that, you know, oh, how good it can feel, that rehearsing of the things we're going to tell that person, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, and, you know, the Buddha talked about the anger being like a, a hot coal, um, picking up a hot coal to throw at somebody. Who gets burnt first? Um, and remembering that you know, it's not good for us either. Yeah, hi, thanks for the... Uh, your thing. Anyway, look, it's funny what, with what you just said then, and it brought something straight to me, and it's something that I'm trying to always continually... Um, let go because I've got sort of two people that are the most closest to me or should be in my life and there's a huge distance between us um, which makes it a little bit difficult for me and I think though at the end of it all it really comes down for me it's about time because with greed uh, you've got greed um, what is it greed hatred and um, delusion and then for me, I'd never really picked up the, with the two people, and I'm talking about specifically, um, how much there was until some of my family brought it up close to me. And, you know, it's... Um, and I got... It, it really hurt me, mm -hmm. and I was hurt. Mm -hmm. and, but I didn't let it break me, and then eventually... But I had to accept except then I realised that shit down. Now we're down to time um, and then the time is like, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? You know, I've just, I communicate with, you know, these two people um, and let them accept that, you know, it's too late for change for them and, you know, it's been, and, you know, me being now in my mid-40s, you know, to me, I'm just starting my second part of life and I've gone into a part of life. My life is brilliant, <laughs> to be honest. I'm in the best stage I've ever been um, and I'm wrapped. And, but, yet, yeah, yeah it, like you say, greed, mm, I don't know. I bet I do... Um, I have to think for myself first, definitely, where I never used to be like that. Um, now I've just turned to, you know, looking after me, number one, and um, then with family, well, family are family, aren't they? Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Anyway. Good luck with that. Thank you. Hi, Catherine. Thanks Hi. for the talk. You're welcome. Um, I was just wondering earlier in the um, at the beginning, you were talking about those kind of micro moments when you're meditating and stuff, and um, you know you're watching your thoughts. Then all of a sudden, you like wake up from those thoughts, and you're like, oh, "I've just been caught up in all these thoughts," mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, as an experienced kind of meditator, do you see that kind of happening? But before, because it kind of seems to happen all by itself, and you're like, "Oh, you know." 
just got quite up in the thoughts again, um, if that makes sense. I don't know if it does. Um, let me just check that I understand. So just um, how, how often that experience of waking up from the middle of the drama happens or... Yeah, it's almost like you're you're sitting there in meditation. You're watching the thoughts yeah. as the you know as the watcher. I think you said sitting in the yeah. seat watching it, and then it's almost as if um, the watcher is kind of rendered unconscious and kind of yeah. kidnapped almost. And Absolutely. then you, you wake up from those thoughts again as the watcher, and you're like, oh, I've just been on you know totally caught up in those. Yeah. And as a experienced kind of meditator, you kind of see that happening in real time because. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, the that process of um, losing mindfulness, losing awareness, uh, like like everything, there's an impermanence to mindfulness as well. An impermanence. Um, so at times we get caught up in the thinking. My experience of um, watching the mind. And sometimes, particularly when I'm, I'm on retreat, my, my, my meditation object or my meditation objective is to set myself the task of I want to watch, I want to see that place where I lose mindfulness. I want to see that, that moment um, where I lose mindfulness. And it's a, it's a lovely practice um, and I think it uh, supports and encourages and strengthens mindfulness to be sustained and sometimes we'll still lose mindfulness um, but the whole process of observing thoughts I think is one which is really fascinating to to do more and more um, so often the thought we become aware of the thought when we're already caught in the drama of it um, and again because uh, in a normal life when we might be meditating half an hour a day or 40 minutes a day or something like that that meditation in some ways is just a uh, allowing the mind to settle on retreat is when i find that you get closer and closer to watching the thought be born if you like and, and these tiny little thoughts that are just in the corner of the mind it's it's a worthwhile um uh practice and have you done some retreats only one a long time ago yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's that sustained practice that helps build up the continuity of mindfulness to make um, more available to us those little subtleties of what's going on in the mind yeah makes sense thanks no worries please um, when that moment that you catch that the watcher has been abducted or you know, whatever <laughs> the term you use, that when you've, you have lost that, that moment actually is the moment that is the other way to come the to The waking it. up. The waking up yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, where have I been? Right, yeah. okay. Yeah. And so you almost sort of see that coming, the watcher coming back, mm. which mm. establishes the mm. mindfulness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very useful um, point to hang out in a little bit, that regaining mindfulness. Ah, yeah. Yeah.
Catherine, continuation of what has been just discussed, you know, you're saying watching the thought, I thought feel also up, um, noticing our feeling too, you know, especially the disturbing feeling that's very important too, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and that brings in that, what you said earlier, Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness, aware of our feeling, our mm. thoughts, phenomena, all these things, that helps a lot, mm. isn't it? Absolutely that. Mm. Um, having, uh, dedicating time to observing the feeling tone of any element, any experience that we're having is very useful. Like um, asking that question of, in relation to this sensation, is it pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? In relation to this thought, is it pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? In relation to this um, emotion, what's, what's the feeling tone? In relation to what I see, is that pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? in relation to this, the sensation. So having that also, um, and, and on the whole, um, we'll notice that, I don't think this is 100% by any means, but on the whole we notice that when something has a pleasant feeling tone, there's more likelihood of a little bit of greed arising. When something has a little bit of an unpleasant feeling tone, there's more likely of aversion or anger or that group of um, responses arising. If something has a neutral feeling tone, more likely we just you know, get lost in something else. Um, so it's certainly uh, another important aspect to working with these three unwholesome roots of suffering, seeing that component of it, yeah. Thanks Catherine for the talk. Um, I have a question that um, I'm not really sure how to state, but if what's the relationship between the three in terms of can someone have? It sounds like we, when you spoke of the cures, that they all stem from the same kind of place where you have trained the mind to bring the coat and you've prepared and mm. you've done all the hard work. So how would it be possible for someone to not have or not experience? Um, not experience um, some of those uh, poisons and not others. So uh, hatred and greed, if you don't have a lot of experiences in those, but you do have the, de the delusions of wishing things different to what they are, and if that's like really elevated in you, but the others are really not, is that possible? Like, how, how can that be? It's, a, it's an interesting question. And, and there is a, um, uh, a line of Buddhist thought where it, it, it gives personality types to these um, three unwholesome uh, roots of suffering. So you might be a, one might be a more greedy type, one might be a more aversive type, one might be a more deluded type. I, I don't know how I think about that because we all, I think we all have it. And I, the way you described it, wanting something different, wishing for something different, we could see that there might be a little bit of greed or aversion within that wishing. So wishing for something more is moving in that um, sort of 
greedy element and wishing for something different is could be aversive to what we're having. So then it may be that that's part of that as well. Would that be possible? In um, it, well, I am speaking about myself, <laughs> so it is my experience. Um, but so I feel like, um, not to sound boastful, but I feel like I don't experience, um, like I've never experienced um, uh, greed. And that's just been something that I do notice that it's different in me because mm. I don't experience mm. it. How wonderful. But I do uh, feel that sense of why is this happening to me? Like why is this, it's always, it, mm. I, and mm. I mm. notice that mm. maybe I've had a part to play in certain situations, but it always feels like why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. So and, and that's strong. So how can I have... Um, really controlled mind or a healthy mind when it comes to greed and contentment when it yeah. comes to and generosity yeah. um, in all aspects like generosity in time in emotions in um not needing to be helpful. right yes. yes but no that not <laughs> that not no <laughs> so is that is that it <laughs> well well i mean not needing to be right there's there's, there's an element of greed in that and a generosity in in not needing to be right in a particular situation, letting something go. Um, but what if I am right? One of the things I really like about um, what Arjun Brahm says about this, do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? Um, it's when we are right, and, and there'll be, you know, it's so context dependent. Sometimes um, it is important to state that rightness but at other times we just do it because it's a habit and we like being right um so their wisdom might be able to give the answer in a particular context about what's needed here what's needed here and and to look at the role of the self in that um, is it to build up a sense of i am right does the self need to be present or is it something that you can just let go? Something that's not important. Um, and maybe there's, that's the element of greed maybe? That yeah, it could be. Yeah. It, I mean, and, and I'm not, um, my sense is that our early, <laughs> and I've got no idea, but my sense is that our early childhood experiences will make greed more likely, hatred more likely or less likely um, you know, if we've got really secure attachment, um, I think they'll, both of those will be much better under control. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, is, it is difficult, though, because I've asked about this question several times because it feels like, why can't I control that part of mm -hmm. letting... And, that's, and you're right, maybe I'm always thinking, I'm right, this shouldn't happen to me, so it's about noticing that it's not always the case. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I guess that that desire for fairness and justice um, in the world, in a world where goodies aren't evenly distributed, um, and it's not to, to give up on working for fairness and justice, but accompanied by the wisdom that knows that that's not how the world is operating. We can, we can work with it without being attached to the world, needing the world to be a different way than it is. 
you know, the wisdom that is accepting that this is where we're starting from. Um, certainly brings a lot of peace and can enable, I think, more effective action for change because we're not caught up in um, an energy that can be unhelpful. It, it's, okay, this is the situation. How can I act in a way that is kind and wise and works for change? Um, yeah. Just an observation. The, uh, the whole world is basically built on greed, or our economy is built on greed, and that's why we've got advertising, basically pushing things that we don't need. Consumer capitalism is certainly a uh, good source of increasing greed. Yes. 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 Yeah. But our world is also built on love and connection and compassion and other aspects as well. Um, I think just saying it's only greed, greed's there, absolutely. Anger's there, absolutely. But so is love, so is compassion, so is um, generosity, so are the other things. Um, Mm. <laughs> We're okay. over time, Bill. Uh, no more questions, so uh, please put your hands together for Catherine. Mm. Thank, you. Thank you very much. Pleasure.